Welcome to Life Church Bath, and thank you for choosing this message. If you'd like to learn and hear more about who we are and what we get up to, please go to our website at lifechurchbath.com. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, church. It's so good to be here and just seeing this display here today and all that Ruth and the team have put together to do. Is it your second Polar Express? Third Polar Express, getting better all the time. And, but, you know, it just it was, it warmed my heart today just thinking that this house is becoming and stepping into and fulfilling the prophetic words over this house about being about having presentations and, and opening it to the city to come so it's so exciting well done I bring a am I have I got an echo here is there anything I can do to adjust guys is it me <laughs> here comes Phil oh I bring uh, greetings from Fee uh, she is not with me this time uh, but we are back again next month um, and so this week we've been down in, I have been down in Wellington. As many of you know, we have a, uh, a church that's connected to us down there. And seeing uh, the previous pastors, Steve and Larissa, transition out and then a new couple um, transitioning in to help out there um, during this time of transition. So it's been a fun week, but uh, it's been uh, great being with so many. Thank you for praying for my dad. Just to give you an update, some of you have asked even this morning how he's doing. He did have a, a minor stroke uh, in the nation where they live, and uh, we were able to get him to Dubai on a small plane, uh, which was just a very short journey, and he is doing very, very well. So thank you so much for praying. Uh, I leave for Uganda uh, tomorrow, and then go back through Dubai, so I'll get to see them uh, actually with all my siblings for the first time in many many years we're all going to be together uh, the week after next so thank you for praying um, and I also um, I think you saw Judah my son Judah last week got engaged so that was fun uh, thank you for the cards many of you just sent cards all the way to the states uh, to fee as many of you know she lost both her parents went on to be um, with the Lord this year in a short space. It was a very difficult time for her, um, but she is doing well. Um, someone said this recently, that grief is love that has nowhere to go. And when I heard that, I went and bought her two kittens and a puppy. And then I got on an airplane. So <laughs> I get pictures all the day. What, look, they've destroyed the Christmas tree. They've destroyed this, but I think it's fantastic. All right, if you have a Bible, if you can turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, I don't have very long today, so I'm going to go quite fast, and I'm going to pray in a moment. The Holy Spirit will get to the points that we need to get to. But uh, we, uh, we're, I'm going to finish at 12 o'clock, so strap yourselves in. This is going to go fast. Holy Spirit, we thank you for this day. I thank you for this church. We thank you that you are alive and well. And we thank you that your plans and your purposes have never changed from the very beginning. Lord, we thank you that this whole earth will be filled with your glory as the waters cover the sea. We thank you that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We thank you that in the last days, the mountain of the Lord will be the chief mountain and the world will come to Zion, to the church and say, 
teach us your ways. So this morning, Holy Spirit, I ask that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, as we speak and we listen to your word and fill this room with your word, which is your voice in print, that it would actually take root in our hearts and bear fruit and change us to become more like you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. It's weird being so far away from you all. All right, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. I love this book. I think 2 Timothy, first included, but particularly 2 Timothy, is my favorite book in the Bible. It's meant so many things deep and personal to me over the years because you have an apostolic father talking to, her, talking to his son. And here in this particular letter, it's Paul's last letter. He's in prison and the Holy Spirit has told him that he's going to die. He said, the time has come for my departure and I'm being poured out like a drink offering. And so you see this man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament pouring everything he's got, all the wisdom and knowledge saying, Timothy, remember this. Timothy, remember this. Timothy, whatever you do, don't forget this. And to do this, it was so practical and every chapter just full of practical wisdom for young people coming from this great father of the faith. And right here in chapter 3, Paul says this, Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money and boastful and proud and abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not, not lovers of good, but treacherous and rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its true power. Go on a little bit further in verse 14. It says, Paul says, but as for you, continue with, with that which you have learnt. Another translation says, no, and have become convinced of. Wow. In the last days, people. Everyone say people. In the last days, people will be. And then Paul lists this great, this whole list of what people are going to be like. And if we look at the world in which we live, it can be really terrifying, depending on how you look at it. But Paul addresses it. The Bible addresses it. If you can, just go back one verse, one chap, one book to first. First Timothy and chapter 4. I'm going to read one more thing. Verse 1 again. The Spirit, everyone say the Spirit, clearly says that in the latter times, people will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Verse 6. If you point these things out to, to the brothers... You will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, brought up in the truths of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales, but rather train yourself to be godly. Verse 11, command and teach these things. 
Paul says to Timothy, don't let, let anyone look down on you, on you because you are young, but set an example to all the believers in your speech and in your life and in your love and in your faith and in your purity. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine carefully, Timothy. Watch it closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save yourself. I, I think when I read this and you slow it down, I encourage you to read Timothy. It brings a tremendous amount of hope knowing that the Bible has already marked out what the last days are going to look like. And whether we're in the last days or not, the, the, writer, the, the, the disciples believe they're in the last days. So whatever that means, it's now. <laughs> and if you track the world in which we live in, it's very easy to be overwhelmed. Just hands up if you ever feel overwhelmed, be honest. You feel overwhelmed in life. You watch the news and you're just overwhelmed. You go on the internet and you watch how the world is changing and what people are doing and what people are saying. It can be so overwhelming. So what is it then that the church, how does the church step up? What is the answer to all of this? And I read, I read recently that they got 20 lawyers together after chat GPT came out. They gave them 100 legal contracts and they said, go over them as a team and let's see how long it will take you and what the accuracy is. And it took them two days and they got 85% accuracy. They then gave the same documents to chat GPT and they at ChatGPT got, got 100% right in 97 seconds. Goldsman and Sachs said recently in the next 10 years, 300 million jobs will go over to AI. You may be sitting here, like I said at Encore this week, why are you telling us this, Dan? This is really depressing. I thought you had good news. And I really, really do, but it's important that we accurately see the world that we live in and that we turn to the God of all creation for answers. Continue in that which you know and have become convinced of. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says this, do not throw away your confidence. Everyone say confidence for it will be richly rewarded. I've got three things, and I'm not, I don't really have three points, and I'm going to carefully craft them for the sake of time today. But I do have three things, and you can find them if you're tuned in. But here's the first one, is the word continue. Will you say that with me? Continue, continue. Paul writes to Timothy, Timothy, continue in that which you know and have become second C convinced of. First word, continue. In other words, church, we must carry on. We're in a time right now, like never before, where we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. A time like never before, we've got to trust him. A time like never before, we've got to trust his word, which is his voice in print. The only book that we'll ever read where the author is always present. His word is alive, it's living, it's active. This morning I got up and in my quiet time and I opened the Bible and as I started to read it, I just began to cry thinking, this is alive. It's living, 
It's active. It's sharp. Continue, continue in that which we know. That's why the Bible says do not grow weary in, in doing good. Don't grow weary. Weariness grows. We talked about this on Wednesday night for those who are, Wednesday afternoon for those who are here. But don't grow weary. Weariness grows. I believe weariness is demonic. I, the Lord, do not grow weary, Psalm 40 says. So God doesn't grow weary. Jesus says, come to me in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. All of you who are weary and I'll give you rest. Don't grow weary in doing good. Weariness means to make old before it's time. And when Daniel chapter 7 says, before the Ancient of Days comes, the enemy will come to weary the saints, to wear down the saints, to make the saints old before their time. Church, we need to shake it. How? Continue in that which you know and have become convinced of. A man without conviction is at the mercy of circumstance. There is, it's so important right now in this moment that we have convictions, that we have absolutes, that God's word is absolute. God's word is final. If we lose that, we have nothing. An oak tree is an acorn that held its ground. And Isaiah, says, Isaiah 61 says, and you'll be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Church, I believe there needs to be a staying power in the church right now where we continue in that which we know. The word know there is the word genosco, which means to actually become a part of. That we actually think the word, we walk the word, we feel the word, we live it. It's who we are. That we continue in that which we know and have become convinced of. If circumstances cause us to change our convictions, they were never convictions in the first place. We all know the story of, the, of the, the man that built his house on the sand or a rock and we sang songs, the foolish man builds his house upon the sand and the wise man builds his house upon the rock. But I asked the church recently, what does that mean? And of course we all know because we're so well read. But Jesus then explains what it means. He says, the, the man who builds his house on the rock is likened to the man who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Boom. Puts them into practice. In other words, if we don't put God's word into practice, we are likened to the man that builds our house on the sand. And either way, the storms come and they'll hit the house and if we are not doing the word, it will collapse. That's what that means. I, I, I'm, I'm deliberately being provocative today because I've got a short period of time. And the word remember, 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 remember occurs over 250 times in the Bible. Remember, remember, remember. And I want to provoke us to remind us of things. If you've been in this house for a long time, this, this, some of this will be refreshing. It'll be like, yes, I remember that. That's a truth. It's a foundational truth. Sometimes when I travel, my legs lock up as I get older, or, I just, or I've got a strain in a muscle, and I go and see Hannon if I'm in Bath. Is Hannon in the house? Good. Hannon makes me cry with pain. I tell him that they, I've got a pain here, and he pushes on the other side of my body with that big smile on his face, and he begins to push. And when he pushes the pain, something pops and unlocks, and the pain goes away, and freedom comes. And so today, perhaps in the now very short time I have left, some of the things I want to say, I want to deliberately push and they may, be, they may cause this, the whole house in here to wince a little bit, but I'm actually okay with that. 
because it will bring freedom. Is that all right? Hebrews says, consider how you may spur one another on towards good deeds. I love every time that I can I still be involved in Kickstart. And if I'm here in town, I love being involved in Kickstart. But if I'm away or I'm at home in the United States, I zoom in. And I just want to say thank you to Tony and Julie. Tony and Julie, can you just stand up? Because you are just amazing. I tell you, and the whole team just faithfully there. I can normally see a square and I have to speak for an hour and I don't even know who I'm talking to. But I can just feel the room. I can, I can feel, here's what I feel, the pleasure of God because these are foundational truths. This is the foundation. These are the gates. This is how we get into the church. This is where there is an understanding of our culture. And I get to do this one called culture and I use the acronym for culture and C is for anyone? Choice. C is for choice. Some of you heard this so many times. C is for choice and not control. Um, U is for unity, not uniformity. L is for love and not law. T is for truth without a twist. U, the other U is for we need to live unoffended or be unhappy. R is for being uh, real and not religious. And E is that we must empower people otherwise it ends and today I just want to touch on one I do not have time to do this acronym not going to but I want to touch on C choice because I believe if we really saw this as something that is very much in the very nature of God it would help us uh, navigate perhaps some of the challenges that we face are facing in the world today everyone say choice I am convinced, and that's why I continue in that which I know and have become convinced of, that God as a father is a father that gives choice. In the garden, he never put an electric fence around the knowledge tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, you are free to choose. Now, we know that Adam chose poorly, but it was still a choice. God gave him that choice. God gives mankind choice the prerogative to choose. And I want to suggest to us that if God himself gives us the prerogative to choose, then so must we. God gives all of us mankind choice. Deuteronomy says, today I bring heaven and earth as witnesses. Choose life or choose death. And then God says, choose life. It's like multiple choice. And then the teacher puts his hand over uh, over our shoulder when we're, do, when we're trying to figure out which one it is. He goes, it's that one. Choose life. I could go on, but for the sake of time, I won't. But right the way through the New Testament, you see God giving man choice. And then right into the New Testament, you see the rich young ruler, master, I've done all these things. He comes and he says, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus looked at his heart and, and he says, go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And he went away disappointed because he had much wealth. What's the point? He gave him a choice. The prodigal son, a classic, most beautiful picture of a father giving his son the power to choose, even make a poor decision, a destructive decision. And yet, what you see out of it is, the, by the end, the heart turning back to the Father. What's my point? Is choice. I was asked, and I felt kind of uh, uh, a little trapped, 
recently by, I was asked to speak to a whole bunch of young adults and some were in the church, some people weren't, some were saved, some weren't. And it was in a town and I got there and I said, what would you like me to speak on? And they said, well, we'd like you to speak on sexuality. I said, oh, I, okay. <laughs> uh, this is, okay, I, I'm up in five minutes? They said, yeah. I'm like, okay, would have been good to know what the subject was. And they said, yeah, there's a real mixture of people from, from LGBTQ and from the church, inside of the church, older people, young people, young adults, some teenagers. I'm like, thanks for that. How long have I had? They said, six minutes. I said, I'll be right back. And I went to a room and I said, Holy Spirit, I really need your help. Because I want to be really careful of how I talk about this subject and I don't want to offend and I don't, most of all, Lord, I don't want to misrepresent you. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, son, just talk about choice. So I went, okay, I'm convinced of that. So I walked out and I said, hey everyone, my name's Dan. I understand I've been asked to talk to you about sexuality tonight. And so I want to talk to you about choice. Everybody say choice. And they all shouted. And I said, I want you to know that everything I'm about to say tonight, you do not have to agree with me because God gives us all a choice. And they all said choice. And some of them were like, yay, we have a choice. Whatever sexuality. I said, you absolutely do. You can choose. And I would literally, I won't do it now, but I did it. And I went through a whole array of choices that they could. And their faces were like, I said, if you want to, at the end of the day, when you are old enough, you can make those decisions for yourself because you have a choice. I said, when I was 15 years old, and some of you remember this part of my journey, to the age of, of, of 19, right here in this room, in this city, I made a choice that I did not want to follow God anymore. I made the choice. And I said, I am not a Christian. I broke my parents' heart who were pastoring the church here at that time. I, on every application, even to the college that I was going to, I made it clear, I am a non-Christian. And that was my choice. And I said, for about four and a half years, my life was on a roller coaster. It went up and down and around. It was terrifying like a roller coaster, but fun like a roller coaster. But at the end of four and a half years, I realized that roller coasters don't go anywhere. And it just came to a stop and I got off. And I realized that I'm not sure if this was the best choice. And then I started to hear about a God that gives choice, a God that loves me, has a plan for me. And I thought, well, it better be radical. It better be amazing because I, I like having amazing fun. And I've done a lot of drugs and I've done a lot of this. and I've done a lot of that. I've had a lot of experiences. If God is real, I need to really experience him. And they're all listening to me. And I said, so today, I, 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 I want to tell you about a choice, everyone say, that I made and you don't have to. And they were like, okay, you don't have to. I made this choice. And the choice that I made was one day in Wales, through a radical encounter that I had with God, I got down on my knees and I said, God, you can have my whole life. That was my choice. 
my choice, you don't have to. And when I made that choice and I gave my life to him, something changed. Suddenly there was a hope that came from the inside of me. Suddenly there was a vision for my very life that came from deep inside of me. And I thought, how do I know how to navigate this life? And someone told me about the Word of God. And it's called the Bible. And I realized, that, guys, that this book was the instruction manual given by the Creator. And I thought, if you have a Volkswagen, you probably need to read the Volkswagen manual to figure out how to drive and run and service and understand the Volkswagen. And if God, if this is God's instruction book, and it's alive and it's real, then I'm going to read it. And so, guys, I started to read the instruction manual called the Bible, God's Word, His voice in print. And when I did, my life began to change. And so all I want to talk to you about today is the choice that I made. You don't have to. And what happened to me when I made that choice, but you don't have to. And suddenly the room relaxed because I wasn't telling them what they had to do. I was just telling them about my choice that they don't have to make. And as I started to talk about that choice and certain scriptures about sexuality and about the way I understand God and his word and his design, suddenly the room just began to fill with life. And I said, this is what I used to be like when I made a choice to do things my way, and this is what happened when I made a choice to do things God's way. But you don't have to. That's my choice. God gives you the prerogative to choose. You know, at the end of that short meeting, five kids gave their lives to the Lord, some with all kinds of sexual confusion and hatred of themselves, and of their lives. Some really happy, but just said, I want to try God's way. I, want to, I didn't even know. I thought the Bible was some religious manual. But if it's true, could you pray for me? And people made a choice that day to follow Jesus. I, I want to provoke us that if we understand that God is a God that gives us a choice, it makes arguments a lot less intense because... You don't have to serve God, but you get to. Very quiet in here. I'm going to review an old lesson. And if you've been in the church here, um, you'll know that this is a very, very strong part of who we are as a church. But if you can imagine this lectum that my hands that I'm leaning on right now is a cross. Everyone say cross. And if you're over here, you know where I'm going, some of you. This is a domain of darkness. Okay? So if you're on this side of the room, if you're on this side of the room, you're in the marvelous kingdom of light. Let me explain very quickly what happened. All of us, the Bible says, were born into darkness. And the Bible says when we were in this state, we were sinners and we were slaves. And through our good deeds and bad teaching, we were on a journey to the cross, trying to do things for love trying to do things for, for acceptance, trying to do things for, for victory. But we couldn't. So Jesus says, because you can't do it, there's nothing you can do to earn or deserve your way into my love for you and my plans for you. I'm going to come and die on the cross. 
and he died and it was called the divine exchange he became sin he carried our shame our sickness and our and our, our sin and the Bible says we were taken from this domain of darkness through the finished work of the cross and brought into the marvelous kingdom of light which is over here so we are now we are now if you're in the kingdom of light you're no longer on a journey journey doing things for love but from love not for acceptance but from acceptance not for victory but from a place of victory you're now no longer sins sinners and slaves but now we are sons and we are daughters and we are saints isn't that good news and so the word ecclesia which is what the greek for the word church means called out ones we've been called out of darkness and brought into the marvelous kingdom of light is that true so when we came into the marvelous kingdom it's called a kingdom because there's a king and his name is Jesus and we're in his king we're in the king's domain it's the domain or the sphere of the king and when we came into this kingdom and the way we got in is through repentance, baptism of water, and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, which if you haven't been at Kickstart for a while, go back and learn it again. It's so powerful. But when we came into the kingdom, we came under his kingship, which means we came under his rules, under his ways, under his precepts. Correct? This is important that we just get this, and I'm just reminding us today, because when Paul writes to continue in that which you know and have become convinced of, it's really important that if you are part of the ecclesia, the called out ones, the part of the church, and you're living in the kingdom of God anywhere on the earth, we are living in, his, in the domain of, his king, of, the, of the king. And how do we know what we should be convinced of because of this Bible, his word, which is vo his voice in print, which is final, by the way. It's alive, it's living, and it's active. So can I suggest to you, again, going back to the choice, none of us have to do to live in, this, in the kingdom of light. We can live in darkness. But if you gave your life to Jesus, then you were, you were taken from one domain into the other, and it is marvelous. By the way, it's really marvelous. Some of us are really joy-impaired. A third of the kingdom is joy. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I love being in the kingdom. I don't like it over here. That's why I think it was a good choice to get out. But can I say, when in the kingdom we get to celebrate his word, we get to celebrate his ways. Is that correct? And so somebody said to me recently about... Um, same-sex marriage and and you know some, sometimes when people ask you that question you know they're trying to catch you out like what do you do you believe that homosexuality is a sin I said well there's a lot of words in there that we need to define first of all like homo when you say homosexuality what do you mean when you say sin what do you mean and it's really a conversation not a question that's why I won't be kept I won't be held by a soundbite but I did say, but I did, somebody said this to me, hey, they came to, one, they, to, our, to a church and they said, hey, you guys seem to sing in the spirit, you move in the gifts, you pray, you pray in tongues and we're having pe hearing people prophesy. We don't believe any of that. And I said, okay, that's okay. And they said, well, 
we don't believe it's right. I said, no, but I understand that. But we do. <laughs> and in this house, because God establishes a house, but he watches over a city, there's a lot of houses in a city. But in this house, we really celebrate the moving, the gifts of the Spirit. And we always have, because it's how the church was birthed in the Spirit and by prophetic words. And I hope we'll always be a church that moves in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I said, but can I just suggest to you that if you really don't believe that and you're actually opposed to it, then go and find a house, and I know lots of them, some of them are my friends, dear friends, and you will get, you will, and they will, they, they equally believe that the gifts are not of today, and we don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we don't believe in praying in the tongues, and they celebrate that. And I think you'd be better there. I think you just enjoy life better. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm not kicking them out. You're not welcome here. You're absolutely welcome here. Are you, you follow me, church? I'm just, I'm t I want to put some, uh, try and put a bit of language, and if it hurts a little bit and causes you to wince, that's why Jonathan and Ruth are here, so you can write to them this week. <laughs> Whew, tough crowd today. Okay, I've got four minutes to land this. <laughs> Shall I just make it a bit more messy before I finish? Yeah. So Jonathan and Ruth, they're going to... Uh, meet with all of you as you talk about these things. That is not true. Can I encourage you? Don't call Jonathan and Ruth. Don't write to them. Don't get, don't, don't get in a flap. Oh, he said this. No, just take it to the Lord. Jesus is coming back for a bride who's made, made herself ready. We all need to, there's a Greek word, teleos, which means to be fully grown. And I, I want to encourage you. Don't, don't, get, don't get your, don't get your, what I have to say is appropriate. Yeah, that. Don't do that. Take it to the Lord. Go and search the scriptures. But I, I, I want to provoke us that when I, when I read my Bible, I see a man, God's design as a man and a woman. I do. I, have no, I, don't, I don't hate people from the LGBT community at all. I've got friends who have made all kinds of choices all kinds of choices and they're my friends but when it comes to the word of God I just don't get I chose to follow this they don't have to no one has to I chose to and when I read this this is how I understand it I could be wrong I don't think I am I could be wrong I don't think I am but I've come to some convictions that I'm going to continue in and I want to suggest you find some convictions because the man without conviction is at the mercy of circumstance. And if circumstances cause us to change our convictions, they were never convictions in the first place. So this may be a little bit of a jolt, but I think we need to start talking about stuff. And I've been really gentle, not just skirting around the issue. But we need to start being convinced of things. But there's a way of doing it. The Bible says, speaking the truth in love, we will all things grow up into him. Speak, not just loving speaking the truth. Hello. But speaking the truth in love. There is a difference. But church, let's get, let's continue in that which you know. I now have two minutes. 
and that which you have become convinced of. And finally, I'm just going to say this. Hebrews 10.25 says this. Do not throw away your confidence. I'm going to pray for confidence just in a moment. Some people have thrown away their confidence. The hour in which we live, the pressure from the outside world, pressure from social media, pressure from all kinds of places. But we need to be strong on the inside, church. And I want to pray. Can I pray for you in a minute? Just the words with that. I just want to pray that the Holy Spirit is going to strengthen us today. Strengthen us in our convictions. I could go on. There's so, much to, so many areas of church life we need, to be, we need to be strong in. You know, talking about maturity, I was reading today in Hebrews chapter 5. In fact, do I have time? I've got one minute. Yeah, I'm going to do it. You watch me. Watch. You'll be on your feet at 12 o'clock. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard. Because of his reverence for mission, and although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered and once made perfect, became the source of, of, the source of eternal salvation for all those who believed, and was called by God to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Watch this. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain to you because you're slow to learn. This isn't us. It's everyone who's not here today. In fact, by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary teachings about God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. I could unpack this, and this is why it's so deep, but I don't, certainly don't have time. But here's another one that I think we've lost a conviction on and, and, and it's the whole issue of tithing. It's such a simple, elementary truth. Somebody in the, somebody, and in, where is uh, Rafaela? Is she here? Is she here? She asked some great questions this week. Excellent, about tithing. Um, but, and we talked about Melchizedek. But read this, but I, I just want to suggest to you, tithing is for the mature. Read again, read slowly, Hebrews chapter 5. He says, this is, he talks about maturity. We need to come to maturity in all of these things and go back and do the simple things that we did at first. Amen? Church, we're going to stand. I know time's gone and I promised I'd be doing this and I'm going to do it. Look, it's 12 o'clock. Just close your eyes and put your hands out like this. I'm back in a month, okay? So don't call Jonathan and Ruth. I'm back in a month with Fee. You can meet with Fee and you can write... And you can talk to her. Church, really do love you. It's such a joy to be with you. I know it's been rushed today, but Lord, thank you so much for this afternoon. Thank you for the Polar Express. Thank you for the hundreds of people that are going to come from our city into this building today. Lord, I just ask that they would actually tangibly feel your anointing. And God, from everything that was spoken, as random as it was today, God, I just ask that, Holy Spirit, that you will wing these truths into our hearts, that you would provoke us, though that we would continue to make good choices, choices according to your word. Thank you that you always give the very best to those who leave the choice to you. And God, I just thank you for each and every one of us in this room, and I ask that we would continue in that which we know and have become convinced of and that we would not throw away our confidence because it will be richly rewarded in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Love you, church. Amen.